Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Walk in a little bit of faith. I can't give to that guy on the street corner. He's going to buy alcohol. Hey, I don't know. Maybe he will. But if you give it in the name of Jesus, here you go, buddy. You know? You, you know what you're doing in your heart. And you just say a prayer for him. Jesus commands us to be generous in His name, to give to the poor and to those in need. Being generous takes faith, though, faith to know that God will honor what we give and bless us for it. We continue with more from last time on God's command to take care of those in need in His name. Out of James chapter 5, verses 1 through 6, please stay with us. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. What are we supposed to do with our money? We have to have it. It's the ungodly mammon. We have to have it to live. So what are we supposed to do with our money? First of all, God gives you this ungodly mammon to take care of your needs. The Bible says, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. To the early church, he said, don't take care of that guy who won't work. If a guy's impoverished, but he's working, then great. But if he doesn't work, then shouldn't eat. So he's saying, first of all, take the ability God's given you to work, because he's given us all certain abilities, and use that to take care of your needs. Then the Bible says that if a man doesn't take care of his family, he's worse than an infidel. An infidel is ungodly. So he's saying not only are we supposed to take care of our own needs so we can eat, use the money so we can eat, so we can get energy, make more money, so we can take care of our family. So we use the money that we get to take care of ourselves and to take care of our family. Then the Bible tells us that we're to take care of the poor. It's part of what we do. How many verses could I go to where we have been told that we're to take care of the poor? It's what we are. It's the essence of what a Christian becomes. Jesus said to the separated sheep and goats. Finally, to the sheep, he said, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you visited me. I was thirsty and you gave me water. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. When did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you sick and in prison and visit you? When you've done it to the least of these, now you've done it unto me. That's what Christians do. We care for the poor. We look for ways to help them. You say, well, I don't care for the poor because I am the poor. Remember your little statement about living hand to mouth? That's me. And I don't have anything left over to give to the poor. I want to remind you, it's not about the amount that you give. Jesus stood in the temple watching people give in what was the equivalent of the agape box in the temple. And he watched some guys walk up and give a bunch of money, blow a trumpet. I'm giving this many temple shekels. And he would drop the money in with all the fanfare and people would applaud and ooh and ah. Jesus said, don't do it that way. Because that ooh and that ah that you get is your reward when you give. And then he said that a, that a widow came by and she put two mites in, less than, a, less than a penny. And then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, she gave more than any of these others gave because they gave out of their reserves, but she gave all that she had. And when you say, I don't have much, but I'm going to take care of my family and I'm going to reach out, I'm going to help the poor. I'm going to help someone who's struggling. God said, if you lend to the poor, I will repay you. 
You might say, well, I'm not going to get anything back. No, you'll get it back. This is the faith that we have that we say, Lord, I'm going to take, I'm struggling. I don't know if I can meet all my bills, but I want to help this person who's struggling. I want to help the poor. I, I want to find a way to be able to do it. And God says, that's the kind of faith because now you're not trusting in money. You're trusting in God. And God said, I'll take care of you. So the Bible says, give and it will be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Well, man, give unto your bosoms. It says that God will open up the very windows of heaven and pour out upon you. That if you give, that God will give back to you tenfold. Tenfold. Ten times? What's that in percentages, by the way? Thousand percent? What is it? Ten times? So television evangelists get a hold of those numbers. Well, God wants you to be rich, but you're not going to be rich until you give to me. <laughs> and when you give to me, I got a special blessing on my life. And God will give back to you a hundredfold, I heard one guy say. I got a hundredfold blessing. And if you give to me, God will give back to you. And I think, I wouldn't want to be that guy who's got a house over here in Florida and a house over here in California and a house over here and he's got a ministry headquarters here and a ministry headquarters there and a plane to fly between it all. And the average person that gives to him is a 60-year-old single woman. That's the average person that would give to these ministries. Not many of them around anymore, although there are some who are, are still using money like that. I could talk about names. I don't need to, I guess. I want to. <laughs> but I don't need to. Living in, in, in absolute sheer luxury, declaiming to widows that are struggling that they'll get rich if they give to them. And I wouldn't want to be them on the day of judgment. I wouldn't want to be that person that stands before God and says, I took advantage of these people. That corrupt money that they've got, that very land, according to James, the very land that they purchased with their money, that, that million-dollar house on the coast in Texas, again, I'm not going to tell you the name, <laughs> is going to cry out against them. That very house will cry out against them. That very land that they took and they, they misused these people and the money that they gave to be able to do those things, those very things will cry out against them. Now, on a smaller scale, we want to make sure that our money doesn't cry out against us. We want to make sure that we're doing what's right. So we want to take care of the poor. How do you do that? You ask God, show me what to do. Show me how I can give. Find those that you can trust, that you give to, to be able to do it. Walk in a little bit of faith. I can't give to that guy on the street corner. He's going to buy alcohol. Hey, I don't know. Maybe he will. But if you give it in the name of Jesus, here you go, buddy. You know, you, you know what you're doing in your heart. And you just say a prayer for him. It seems so meaningless to even say, hey, I'm giving this to you because of God. I'm giving you this because of Jesus. Oh, God bless you, brother, they'll say back. And you're like, I don't even know if you're a Christian or not. I have no idea. But I just want to give by, by faith. I want to take a certain amount of my paycheck, and I want to give to the poor, the poorest I can find, because that's what we do. Because I don't want my money to cry back at me one day that I hoarded it, that I stacked it up in heaven. The second thing that we need to do with our finances is to make friends for the kingdom of God. 
we get involved in ministries. We, we support missionaries. We support those that are preaching the gospel. We give to our local churches. I'm not telling you that if you give to the local church, your church, i.e. Calvary Chapel of Tucson, that God's gonna make you rich because we have a special blessing. I'm just gonna tell you that you get a part, you just be a part of the work. You're doing the work of the gospel. We're preaching the gospel, people getting saved. Give. If you say, well, I don't, I don't know that you're doing that good of a job. I think this other place is giving, doing a better job. Well, then give to them. But give. Be giving to part of the work. Make kingdoms for eternity. Take part of what you've got and say, Lord, this is yours. I don't know how much. Pray about it. A tithe is a good place to start. Sometimes people will say to me, hey, if I, can I tithe 5%? First of all, don't ever go to a preacher and ask him how much money you ought to give to his church, Okay. <laughs> there might be a conflict of interest in what's being said. But you can't tithe 5% because that's not a tithe. The tithe is what? 10. That's what it is. You can't tithe 12%. You can't tithe 15%. You tithe tithe. And anything you give over that is an offering. And anything you give under that isn't a tithe. We decided, me and my wife years ago, we were going to tithe. And we would give above whatever we felt like we could give, but give out of faith. And whatever you do, do out of faith. Pray about it and then give it. And give it with joy. And come to church, we are, there's the coffee box. Fine. God, there's your money. I don't know, don't even give, okay? You're not gonna receive anything back from God from that. God's like, nice heart, buddy. Woo, really like the way, the attitude with which you're giving. So we want our money to provide for our needs. We want our money to provide for our family. We want our money to be able to help those who are struggling. And we want our money to be able to help in the kingdom of God. And then taking a reasonable amount of money and putting it into retirement to plan for our later days is not a problem. There's never enough in there, right? So we got to walk by faith because who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? We might live during the days the whole world gets rich on Mystery Babylon. We might live during the days that inflation takes down to our bag of gold, buys a loaf of bread. We got to trust in God no matter what because it's the uncertainty of riches. It's the deceptiveness of wealth. And so we put a reasonable amount aside for us and we do what we can do so that when the day comes for judgment, our money doesn't cry out against us. Our corrupted money doesn't, isn't stacked up somewhere because we died with all this money in the bank and we never took care of anybody that was hurting. We never took care of anybody that was poor. We never gave to the, to the, to the church. We want to make sure that we are using what God gives us as good stewards of what God gives. Let's read this again because this is such a heavy verse. Verse three, your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. Now, is it saying that you've heaped up your treasure in the last days as in Jesus coming back last days? The beginning of the last days was the day of Pentecost, the day of the church. So we are living in the last days, according to the Bible, because God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. So we're living in that last days. There's not going to be another era after this. The Holy Spirit's being poured out upon us. This is the church age. There's not going to be another age after the church age. The end of the church age is Jesus coming back and establishing his kingdom here on the earth. Okay. And so that could be the last days. The last days may be your last days. Hey, I'm stacking up treasure, so when I'm old, I got something to take care of me. But again, are you going to trust in money put into an account more than God? That's not wrong to put something reasonable away. 
but it's certainly wrong to stack up everything and not take care of the, the kingdom, not be, be part of the kingdom and not help those who are impoverished. It's a lack of faith. And that lack of faith will one day stand against you. He says, verse four, indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your field, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. Again, he personifies the labor of those that you kept back by fraud, the wages of the fraud. So now it's not the corruptible money that's calling out against you, but it's the money that's in there that you've taken from somebody wrongly. And what will people do for money? What will people do for money? Anything. Some people like to say there's a number on everything. People murder for money. People murder for a little bit of money. People will do anything for money. Have you taken advantage of people? Have you embezzled from your boss? Have you taken money from somebody that you know? I mean, in reality, in our lifetime, we all stolen, right? All of us have stolen. So all of us would have something that would be in, in our wealth that would be corrupted by, because we defrauded somebody. And maybe we took something from somebody who really needed it. We just didn't know it. We just weren't worried about it. And so what can we do? <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Father, be merciful to me, a sinner. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, which washes away all my sins and makes me clean so that that money that I took doesn't cry out against me. We all can do that. We all need to do that. We all call out to God. We all say, Lord, forgive me and help me that I would never take money that isn't mine, that I would never take from somebody that needs it, that I would never take food out of the mouth of somebody else. These laborers, they needed their food, right? In verse four, indeed, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. They needed it to take care of their family. You say, well, I embezzled from my company. Maybe the company, maybe the people in the company had to take cuts in their pay and weren't able to meet their ends because too many people were embezzling. You, you don't know. You don't know what's happening. You think, oh, no one's getting hurt from this. You have no idea. But it will cry against you one day. And if you are embezzling, taking what's not yours, whatever's happening, it's a lack of faith. You're not trusting God. You're not willing to say, God will take care of me. So you have this lack of character where you take something that's not yours. And if it's taken from somebody that is hurt, eventually that's going to cry out to you. And, and what matters most to us isn't the way we treat each other. The way we judge will be judged. The mercy we give will be the mercy we get back. If we take from people, we defraud them for money. I wonder how God will treat us. It's a scary prospect. Those very things cry out. He goes on to say at the very end of this verse, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts, literally. It says of Sabbaths, but it's really of hosts. That's the word. He's the Lord of hosts. He takes care of all the angels. If God takes care of all the angels and I got to worry about anything, how much more is he going to take care of you? He's the Lord of hosts. And the cries of those that are defrauded have reached the ears of the Lord and the Lord will deal with it. He goes on to say in verse five, you have lived on the earth in pleasure, in luxury. You have fattened your heart as in the day of slaughter. You have condemned the idea of condemning someone, being in power to be able to condemn somebody and take their money. I think of Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Ahab wanted a piece of land and the guy wouldn't sell it to him. Do you guys remember the account? 
He went home pouting. He was laying in his bed, didn't get up. His wife, what's wrong? Yeah, I want this land. I'm the king of the land. I want the land. So Jezebel had charges brought against him. The guy that owned the land drug him in and condemned him, took his land. Here, pouty king husband, here's your land. They killed him for his land. You condemn. What are you willing to do to take someone's money? You condemned. You have murdered the just. And he does not resist you. Therefore, be patient, brethren. Now, he turns to the brethren. Here he's got this person that he's built up, which is the, the, the wealthy wicked. And he has all these really harsh words to say to them. And now he turns back to us. He's not calling us the wealthy wicked. He, the, all of those things that are there, he's not saying that all those are going to happen to us. He's saying that's what's going to happen to you, wealthy, wicked people that do these things. But he says, because of what's going to happen to these wealthy, wicked that I've, that I've talked about, you, brethren, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how farmers wait for his precious fruit. Now, we're going to get into that text next time. But I want you to turn with me to 1 Timothy. I want to quickly cover one more little text. I'll read through it quickly, I promise. We're almost done. I see some of you guys fading away. Come back to me. This is good. It's a great text, all right? I'll read it and we'll be done. We'll start in verse 3. Be patient. The Lord's coming back. And here, Paul writes to Timothy, to the church, and he's talking about the same topic, the corruption of money and the way that it affects us. And in verse 5, he says, useless wranglings of men of corrupt mind, destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. He's talking about false teachers who are teaching that if you are godly, then you're going to get rich. That there's no better way to get rich than to be godly. Those people teach today under the guise of the faith movement, under the guise of it being faith. It's not faith at all. They're trusting in riches. They're looking for a way. They, they want to get money. And they twist, the, manipulate the Bible to say that it gives them money. I heard one of these guys say one time, look, Mary and Joseph were poor until Jesus was born to them. And then these three kings came and gave them gold. You know, don't have Jesus in your life, you're going to be poor. Invite Jesus in and kings will give you gold. Talk about a manipulation of Scripture. And that's what they do. They teach godliness as a means of financial gain. And it says, get away from them. Leave that church, get away from that person. And then it says in verse 6, now godliness with contentment is gain. Hey, when we're content with what God's given us, hey, God doesn't give us all the same, does he? God's given some of us more than others. God's given some of us less than others. God's not unfair to you because he gives one of his children money and another one not. That was the whole idea of the, the laborer. He went out and hired one guy in the morning, hired another guy at night, had another guy in the middle of the day, paid him all the denaries. The guy that worked all day long said, you've cheated me. He says, I haven't done nothing unfair to you. I hired you for a day's wages. The fact that I gave a guy that worked an hour a day's wages doesn't mean anything for you. Be content with what you have. He goes on to say, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we will carry nothing out. But we can ship it ahead. Heavenly UPS, <laughs> right? Stack up treasures in heaven and having food and clothing with these, we should be content. No donkey, no house. But those desire, who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and to many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not the root of all kinds of evil, but the love of money 
from which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, it's almost identical to James' section, isn't it? He talks, first of all, to these who are teaching godliness as a means of gain, and now he turns to the Christians. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. What's the good confession you confessed? I am a Christian. I've given my life to Jesus. I've invited him in and I'm now living for him. I think there should be something exciting. I'm excited when I think of taking the money that God has entrusted me with and using it the right way. Using it to provide for my needs and the needs of my family. Using it to give to the poor. Using it to give to the church. Using reasonable, a reasonable amount to prepare for retirement and saying to the Lord in the end, Lord, my hands are clean. I've taken what you've given me and I've been generous and I've, I can stand before you now and none of that will call out against me. And God says, I'll take care of you. I'll give unto you. I'll pay you back. There should be something exciting about us doing that. The world doesn't do that. The world will stab each other in the back for money. The world will hate a brother or a sister over money. The world will do anything they can for money, not us, not us. We realize it's just corruptible things. It's deceptive. But faith in God will always bless us. And if we say, I'm going to give up, I'm going to be willing to be defrauded, I'm going to give to that person, God will take care of us. And by faith, we'll find great riches. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about real riches, riches that matter, riches that follow us into eternity. And if I were James, I would say something like, and if you don't do it, this day will cry out against you in the day of judgment. The day you heard this message, the day you studied James chapter 5. So Lord, help us to be obedient to what you want financially. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you for the clarity in your word about money. We thank you that something that means so much to us, you dealt with over and over again, that we can know exactly what you want us to do and how you want us to live. And we want to be obedient to what you give to us. And Lord, when, we, when it comes to what we give to you, we pray that you would guide us so we can give it cheerfully. And when it comes to giving to the poor, we pray that you would help us, that we could know where to give it and who to give it to and how to give it to the poor. We need your wisdom in order to do it. And thank you that you've provided for us food and clothing and for our families. Thank you that you've provided already for our future. You've given us this day our daily bread and you will give us tomorrow our daily bread. And in 20 years, if you tarry and we're still here, you'll give us 20 years our daily bread for that day. You will always take care of us. You take care of the birds and they aren't even your children. We're, we're your kids. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. 
We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.